0: Welcome everyone, welcome everyone watching online. Moms, it is your day. You can do whatever you want. You can say whatever you want. And for the love of God, you can eat whatever you want today. Mm. Happy Mother's Day. And and, you know, I want to, as I was praying this week, I, I saw some moms that this day was hard. This is a hard day for some moms and uh, maybe, maybe you lost your mother, or maybe you're a mom that lost a child, or have, maybe you have a, a, a prodigal child that isn't following Jesus, or maybe you just had a not-so-great mom, and it, for whatever reason, it represents a, just a challenging day. I want you to know that I saw you, and more importantly, God sees you. He knows you and he is writing an end to that story that is redemptive and he will use it for his good to glorify his name and he is, he is placing joy in your heart. You just trust him in this season, amen? Amen, amen. Well, we're in week two of our battle ready series. And I know you're thinking, well, wait a second, why would you do a battle ready series on Mother's Day? How many know that moms are some of the greatest battlers, some of the greatest warriors up in this place? Woo! You know how to battle. And my mama was no different. Let me tell you something. I was one of six kids. My parents had been married 53 years, and I was the one out of the six kids that would push the envelope, if you know what I'm saying. I know it's hard for you to believe about your pastor, but I know, but that was me. And and I wanted to play football and basketball and do sports. And my mom, she said, you know what? That's cool. You can do that. But I want you to learn the guitar. Oh, we battled over that one. I was like eight years old. And she would make me each and every week go get a lesson. So imagine me, eight years old, walking a mile and a half to a lesson. And, And then I got smart. I started riding my bike, which is really kind of a, puts me in a precarious position when you have an acoustic guitar on a bicycle, right? But I made it work, I figured it out, y'all. And she would give me $7.50, $7 was for the lesson, 50 cents were for these mom-approved candies from the health food store that she would let me because they were sweetened with honey. Thank you, mom, really appreciated that, gave me something to look forward to because God knows I was not looking forward to the lesson. And so there I was, each and every week, going to lesson. And for one year, I kid you not, One year, one entire calendar year to learn the very first song I would ever play. This song is the bane of my existence. It haunts me to this day. It's only got two chords. Got to turn that on. That's an E minor, by the way. It's like, what shall we do with the drunk? sailor, what shall we do with the drunkin' sailor? What shall we do with the drunk? A year of that. <laughs> Listen, all I wanted to do was like play some like poison. You you young people don't know anything about poison. But like, I, 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 I I was like, can we learn like... Every rose has its thorn. Just like every night has its dawn. If you're a sinner, you can sing. Just like every cowboy sings a sad, sad song. Every rose has its thorn. Yeah, it does. That's all I wanted to do. That's all. I love our church, by the way. I was like, what'd y'all do? Oh, we'll be staying some poison today. No, No, but, but like that's all I want to do. But before that, before there was, Every Rose Has a thorn, there was, What shall we do with the drunken sailor? What shall we do? That came first. And eventually I would sing good songs like, uh, Some glad morning when this life is over, I'll fly away to a home on God's celestial shore. I'll fly away. You know this part. I'll fly away, oh glory, I'll fly. Come on, you know this one, Ricky. When I die, hallelujah, bye-bye. I'll fly away. Before there was I'll Fly Away, it was, What shall we do with the drunken sailor? A year of that, 52 lessons, and a lot of practicing in my room, forced by my mother, and I finally finished the song. What shall we do with the drunken sailor? What shall we do with the drunken sailor? What shall... Oh, for the love of God, it took a year to learn the song. And here's here's my point in all of that. My mom saw the song before I ever sang it. One year from the time she saw it in me until the time I sang it. Friends, The battle, (laughs) the battle isn't when God speaks something to you, that's his job. That's not the battle when he speaks it. And it's not the battle when we stand in victory finally having sung the song, oh no, no, no. That's the fruition of the battle. The battle is in between. The battle is in between. The title of the message, the battle in between. The battle in between. That's where the battle is. Somebody, you feel like God gave you some confirmation, but you haven't seen the realization of that confirmation. You're in between. Somebody, God spoke, he gave you some directions, but you haven't arrived at the destination that those directions were meant to take you you're in between. Somebody, G- God spoke a promise to you. There was, but you haven't seen the product of that promise because you're in between. The battle that we face is in between. Amen? Amen. Judges chapter 7. If you've got your Bibles, we're going to pick up where we left off last week. We are a Bible reading church. We preach from the word of God. We believe it has the power to change our life. Amen? Judges chapter 7. So last week we met a guy named Gideon who was a warrior, but the problem was he thought he was a farmer. God saw something in him that he didn't see in himself. And so he had to conquer the inner me. That's the, the place in which the battle takes place is inside you. The greatest battles you will fight are inside you. That's the place of the battle. This week we're going to talk about the space of the battle. The space is in between. Judges 7, verse 1. Early in the morning, Jerubbael, that is Gideon, and all his men camped at the spring of Herod. The camp of Midian was north of them in the valley near the hill of Morah. The Lord said to Gideon, you have too many men. I cannot deliver Midian into their hands or Israel would boast against me. My own strength has saved me. Now, let's just pause. Just to give you context. God's saying he has too many men. How many do they have? 32,000. That's a lot. The problem was the Midianites had 135,000. 32,000, 135,000. And God says, 32,000, that's too many men. Whew. Now, announce to the army, anyone who trembles with fear may turn back and leave Mount Gilead. So 22,000 men left, while 10,000 remain. But the Lord said to Gideon, there's still too many men. Take them down to the water, and I will thin them out for you there. I think, yeah, yeah, exactly. (laughs) Gee, thanks, God. I think, has anybody experienced a, a thinning out? I'm not talking about your hair. That's me, too. I'm with you. But, but has, has God like maybe done some thinning out in your life? It's crazy, right? It doesn't feel good all the time. Take them down, I'll thin them out for you, he says. If I say this one shall go with you, he shall go. But if I say this one shall not go with you, he shall not go. So Gideon took men down to the water. There the Lord told him, separate those who lap the water with their tongues as a dog laps from those who kneel down to drink. 300 of them drank from cupped hands, lapping like dogs. All the rest got down on their knees to drink. The Lord said to Gideon, with the 300 men that lapped, I will save you and give you the Midianites into your hands. How many know that he probably didn't feel super confident at that moment? So let me get this straight. The guys that lapped with dogs, all 300 of them, were going to face 135,000. Got it, God. All right, got it. Let all the others go home. So Gideon sent the rest of the Israelites home, but he kept 300 who took over the provisions and the trumpets of the others. Now the camp of Midian lay below him in the valley. God, thank you for setting the stage for this great battle. The great battle we're gonna talk about next week, but I don't really think that's the great battle. I think the great battle is in between. I think the great battle is what Gideon is facing right here, right now. In between what you spoke to him and the victory that lay ahead. God help us fight the battle in between in Jesus name. Amen. So there's the in-between space between what God spoke and the victory was already big enough, 32,235. God said, "You know what? I'm going to decrease your army by 99 percent." Now he's got less than one percent of the army he had. He made the in-between. That gap, even bigger. And then somebody can relate today. You feel like that in between that you're in is, is ginormous. So why did he do that? Well, we know from the scriptures, one of the reasons he did that is because he wanted to make sure that he got the glory and it was so, it was so lopsided that clearly only God could win that battle. Okay, that's one reason. But I would submit to you, if we read the scriptures, there's more. There's something more. There's something even maybe deeper going on. I think there's something that needs to be released in Gideon prior to that physical battle. There's something inside him. How do we know? He's fighting a battle. How do we know he's fighting a battle? Because remember from last week, if we read chapter six, we realized that there was four, it took four miraculous signs to get Gideon's attention. First of all, Jesus, we learned last week that Jesus shows up in the pre-incarnate Christ, a Christophany, it's called. He shows up, in the wine press, that's miracle number one. Then Jesus consumes the, 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 the uh, sacrifice that Gideon prepared, he, he put his staff out and boom, fire on the rock, consumes it, that's miracle number two. Then we have the miracles of the fleece, two, two miracles right in the road, there's four miracles, and, and next week we're gonna see a fifth miracle. Why? Because there's something going on, there's, there's, there's some battle faith, battle faith, that's a term I want you to, to, to put in your brain. Battle faith. Battle faith. When you go to battle, there's a certain kind of faith called battle faith that we need to battle the enemy. And and that's what God is trying to release in this in-between period. In-between is where battle faith is developed. That's the good news. It's bad news too, because it's hard but it's good news because there's something God is doing in your in-between season. I know it stinks, I know it's hard, but you're in-between, but God is saying, oh, but there's something in you I'm trying to release. We take, how many know we take the path of least resistance? You know that? I mean, when's the last time, if you don't believe me, when's the last time you went to fries and you're like, there's all these lines and, and you were like, I'm gonna go in the long line. Let somebody else go in the short line. I'm just take the long line. Or, or, or how many of you, when you're on Bell Road and behind that car going 35, that Toyota Prius with the California plates? Yeah. Yeah, I saw you going 35 miles an hour. You know, I'm just going to stay behind this jackwagon instead of passing, right? Or how many of you still have internet, dial-up internet? Yeah, you know, let, 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 let the bandwidth, let somebody else, the younger folks have the bandwidth, right? No, we, 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 we don't, we don't. Do what's hard. We do what's easy. We take the path of least resistance. The problem with the path of least resistance is battle faith is idle in the absence of resistance. God uses resistance like training of a muscle to to create and to to release something inside of us. I believe God has placed a lion within each one of us. Uh a lion that was meant to roar that was meant to battle that was meant to be victorious but it's more like a subdued kitty cat <laughs> well Proverbs 28 the righteous are as bold as a lion so the question is if that's true why hasn't your lion and my lion why hasn't it roared answer Because we're carried by the roar of another. Someone else has been carrying the roar. I mean, why would I give 10%, like the Bible says, in tithe, because my neighbor's doing that? Why would I get up at 5 a.m. and actually serve because somebody else will do it? Another person will, their roar will carry it. Or why would I witness that person at work who I know doesn't know Jesus because somebody else Will roar. Somebody else will release that lion. Whew. I I heard this quote Faith is like a toothbrush. Everybody should have one and use it regularly, but it isn't safe to use somebody else's. That's good, isn't it? Somebody's, you've been using somebody else's toothbrush. You just, this is great. I love this church. Thank you for giving. Thank you for serving. Thank you for doing everything that God called me to do. I'm glad your lion's roaring. Because my little kitty cat is sleepy time. Friends, stop using somebody else's toothbrush. Can, can I say that in love? Can you, can, can you know that that's coming from a heart that, that like loves you and cares about you, not trying to beat you up? Like, it's time to stop using somebody else's toothbrush. It's time to let that, that thing inside of us roar. And I saw some moms this week. Again, when I pray for you, God puts stuff in my spirit, drops it in, and you've been, you've been battling for your kids. And maybe you got, you know, your kids have some challenges. As, as if kids weren't gonna have problems. As if we didn't have problems, and God still took care of us, right? And, and I think for some moms, I think God's saying, well, while you'll always battle for your kids, there's a time at which we move from the front line to the rear guard. We've become prayer warriors. we become counselors. We, be, we stand in the gap, but we have to let their faith grow and blossom because if they use our toothbrush each and every day for the rest of their life, it will never be their faith. They will never own their own faith. And so I just want to free you up, moms. I don't know who I'm preaching to, but but God's saying, in love, take back your toothbrush. You're not abdicating your responsibility. You're not doing anything. You're just, I'm going to be the rear guard. I'm going to pray you up. I'm going to be there for you. But I'm going to let God do what only God can do. Remember, Gideon had to let 31,700 brothers leave. He had to do it. And sometimes we have to let our children release them to God. See, there's a space between a burden and a blessing, right? God gives you a burden. I have a burden to do this or that, whatever it is. But the blessing doesn't come right away. We have to understand that there's space. I call it God space. Some of you today, you know exactly what I'm talking about. You're dealing with some God space. And the challenge in the in-between when we deal with the God space is not to fill the God space. God's spaces are not meant to be filled. They're like our obliques. There's supposed to be little cracks there, okay? Yeah, really? Who said really? That's awesome. Yeah, really. But in and out double doubles ruined it for me, okay? But there's supposed to be there's supposed to be space. Here's why. Because God's space. God's spaces require God's solutions. God's spaces, God-induced space in the in-between, we're not meant to fill. It requires God's solutions. I just freed somebody up because you've been trying to figure it out. You've been trying to, to, okay, God, i got to figure this out. And God said, no, 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 you don't. No, you don't. You just have to be faithful. Isaiah five nine. as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts, declares the Lord. Oh, thank you, God. I'm not a loser. Aren't you glad that Gideon, because you know, he. could you imagine the questions he had? These, this army of the 300 guys that are left, like, uh, okay, fearless leader. 300 of us, 135,000 of them. Like, what's the plan? My life is on the line. I got kids at home. I got a wife at home. Like, what's the plan, oh fearless leader? And he didn't try to, well, I'm gonna outflank them. We're gonna outmaneuver them. We're gonna strategize it. No, no, no. There's some questions we can't answer. You know what? I used to struggle with this. Hey, what are we gonna do about a building? I mean, look around like, you know, like. We're like, we're running out of room. And we, got, we literally have the biggest venue in, in, in our whole city. Bigger than any venue is this venue. We got the biggest venue and we're running out of room. What are we going to do? Yeah, well, yeah, we can give God praise. Yeah. Praise God. Uh, and, and our kids is overflowing. It's crazy. But, but here's the thing. What are we going to do? Answer? See, I used to think that if I couldn't answer, I was a crappy leader. Oh, sorry. I shouldn't say that on Mother's Day. An insufficient leader. <laughs> a leader lacking. Whatever. I thought I was a bad leader. Now, I'm like, that's a God problem. Like, I, I ain't picking that up. My shoulders are not broad enough. Now listen, are we looking? Are we actively pursuing? Yeah, do we have a bunch of money in the bank because God p- blessed us with that? Yes, praise God for all of that. But like God's gonna have to figure it out. It's above my pay grade. I'm, I'm, I'm just a little preacher right? And, and so God's going to figure that out. But like, don't I can't fill the God space. How many know this church was built in the in-between space? I have to tell the story because we have so many new people. I was talking to people the other day and they're like, I didn't know that at all. This church was built in the in-between space. So in fall of 2017, I went through kind of a challenging church transition. And I was like, I was hurt. And it, it wasn't all the church's fault. There, I had some there are some things I could have done better. Um, but I was hurt. I was kind of mad, mad at God, mad at the church. And I'm like, I'm going to get out of here. I'm getting out of this city. Because every time I drove by the church, it represented a wound. And so I'm like, I'm out of here. So over the next eight months, I would interview at these different churches. Here's the problem. I had a burden for this city. I thought it might go away, you know, as I interviewed The burden didn't go away. And so I interviewed at these churches. The last church I interviewed at in the spring of 2018 was a church, Paradise Alliance Church, a beautiful church. Uh, Worship center was massive, seated like 1,400. So basically about the same size as this. Um, And had a school, had a massive gymnasium, a staff of 28, big church, great church, benefits, security, blah, 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 right? All this stuff. It's so important. And so... I interviewed there. Out of like 300 candidates, I was their number one candidate. It was a, it, the church was in Paradise, California. What could possibly go wrong in Paradise? And so I interviewed. Ten days, we were out there. It was awesome. Things went great. And after the tenth day, it was, they offered me, the, the, unanimously the board called me to be their lead pastor. I said I need three days to think about it because I had a burden. I didn't see a blessing, but I still had this burden that wouldn't go away. And so we would come home, we'd fly home. The whole family flies home. We'd take three days. My wife and I, woo, those were three days in between. Three days of hell in between. Because like I wanted to take the job, but inside I'm like, oh, God, I've got this burden. It won't go away. And, and don't you know, I asked pastoral friends, and they gave me stories. They gave me statistics. They used Bible verses to tell me, do not plant a church. Matthew, are you here? We have a church planner here. I got to be careful what I say. Matthew, are you here? Oh, there he is. Matthew, Matthew, stand up. Matthew is from Elevation Church out in uh, out with Pastor Stephen Furtick. And you were with that church? No, that's a good. That's a good thing. Don't be don't be ashamed about that. Um, we we love Pastor Stephen, but uh, but he has planted a church in Buckeye, and uh, we're super excited. We'll tell you more about it. But praise God for church planners. I met with another one. That, he's the second one we met with this week. And he's kind of here observing to see how we do everything wrong, basically. <laughs> and yet God's blessing still on us. But I got, so I'm going to be careful what I say because like you have to be a little half crazy, right? Your wife is shaking her head you're like, yeah, right? You do. You, and so everyone's trying to talk me out of it. But I had the burden. And so they call back three days later. And I tell them I'm going to plant a the church. They said, you're going to what? They said, you're crazy, blah, blah, blah. I tried to talk me out of it. They didn't, and the next week, this is where it gets really crazy, the next week, we started our first service, which, looking back, probably wasn't the greatest thing to do. (laughs) Probably could have waited, like, you know, most people have, like, a 12-month to 18-month plan, but, you know, I'm crazy like that, right? So, then we had this, so six months, I planted the church, then six months of, like, living hell. It's hard, okay? It's just hard especially when I was in big churches and God was like stripping away pride and all these things that were inside of me that God had like gut. I didn't know they were there. And, and so there I am like wrestling, God, I don't know if I can do this. And oh man, I'm... and then six months later on November 8th, 2018, when I'm like, maybe I should have taken that job. What was I thinking? November 8th, 2018, of paradise burned to the ground in what was and is to this day the most costly fire in California history. In a matter of 10 hours, the town was gone. It was the greatest natural disaster in the world of 2018. If you don't believe me, you can watch They made a documentary on Netflix called Fire in Paradise. I would have been there. My family would have been there. My kids would have been there. People died in that fire. Don't fill the space. Don't fill that God space. You let God fill the God space. Because there's a burden. I don't see the blessing, but I feel the burden. But I don't see it that God fill that space. He knows what he's doing. Trust him. Trust him. And I love it. You didn't ask me this, but like church planners, when, when we get together, they ask me this, this question, like, well, what's the secret? What's the secret? Um, hang on, let me think about Jesus. Okay, okay, yeah, yeah, no, I get that. Of course, of course, Jesus. But like, what's your methodology? Jesus. I read the Bible and I try to do what he did. I I I don't, I don't, I know there's some great books on this stuff, but like, I'm just dumb enough to trust Jesus and it's worked out. Why? Because he's enough. He's enough. And here's the thing. They say, but can't you explain it? And I say, well, if you can explain it, God didn't do it. Ooh, yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. If you can explain it, it wasn't faith. And and, and I think God, it's like the 300. Like, like we did everything wrong. We we did. And I'm not, you know, saying that that's good. I'm just saying we did a lot of stuff wrong. And God's like, oh, no. That's because I want to get the glory. You're going to do a bunch of stuff wrong. But because my hand is on this church, because my presence is upon this church, you will succeed. Because he is enough. All right, so so here's some things that, that from this passage. I want to practical things. So I think a lot of us, we have the wrong people in our battle circle, okay? And I want you to, I want you to think about this for a second. Your, your, your battle circle shapes your battle faith. And I think a lot of us have the wrong people in our battle circle, which is why Gideon had to send 22,000 people home because they were trembling in fear. That's what it says. Anyone who trembles with fear may turn back and leave Mount Gilead. So 22,000 men left. And don't act like you wouldn't have some level of fear if your life is on the line. And thank you to all brave men and women who serve our country and have put their lives on the line, by the way. And so there's a level of of fear that, that we will have. But when you're trembling with fear, you look over in the foxhole, and you're, the, the guy next to you has a like a puddle of urine running down his leg, saying like that's probably gonna make maybe I'm gonna die too. Like so, synth, I, here, here's what I'm trying to say: stop marching with wimps. March with warriors. We were meant to march with warriors. Yes, we have to evangelize and reach wimps, spiritual wimps, and we've all been one at a time or two. But like. Don't put them in your foxhole. Don't you march with wimps. You were meant to, to, to march with warriors and, and, and those warriors help draw that lion out of you. God's doing it, but he's doing it through people. Yeah. Let that lion roar. But that's why I march. You, know, you wanna know who I march with? Who do I put that picture up? That's, that's, that's my small group right there. Those are the warriors that I march with. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm clapping too. Those are warriors, and, and man, I could if I had more time, I'd tell you all the stuff that God's doing in that group and how the lions are coming out of people. It's crazy what God's doing. We were talking about it just Tuesday about all the stuff he's doing, but but I think a lot of us, we, we march with um, with wimps, and God's saying you gotta, march with, you gotta march with warriors. Second thing, we forget to defend the in-between. We forget to... Defend the, the, this fertile ground, this, this battlefield of in between. We want to get here. We don't want to stay here. And we want to get there. So we're, we're focused on getting there. And we forget to defend this territory. And that's where the enemy can get in. We have to learn to defend the in between. So you've, you've heard the saying, coaches in here, that the best offense is a good. Defense, and I hope your defense is good. You just got a head, you got a coaching job there as a basketball coach, and I hope I hope you have a good defense, right? Because the best offense is is a good defense. And I want to point you back to scripture, because check this out: How did they choose the three hundred? Do you remember how they chose? Well, I'll, I'll read it to you. Three hundred of them drank from cupped hands, lapping like dogs, and the rest got down on their knees to drink. The Lord said to Gideon, "With the three hundred men that lapped." I will save you and give you the Midianites into your hands. Let all the others go home. So, 10,000 people were being tested. Why can't I hear God? The teacher is always quiet during the test. So be careful. You never know when God's testing you. 9,700 did this. Put their face in the water and drank. 300 did this. Yeah. You seeing the difference? Now, the enemy was four miles away. But are they ever really four miles away? Is the enemy really that distant in your life? Or is he one breath away? One thought away? One action away? The difference, head down, 300, eyes up. Now, we don't know what well, we don't know. So I can't tell you with 100% certainty what the Bible doesn't say, right? If it doesn't say, we don't know. But let me suggest, let me offer a suggestion based on what I know about Jesus and what I know about warriors is that this is a defensive posture. Eyes are always up. You think that the criteria for selection, wo- selecting warriors would be like, hey, how can you swing a sword? Let's do some bench press tests. Let's do some cardio, a mile run, huh? No, no. The criteria through which God selected those warriors was, in my opinion, their defensive posture. Which brings me to Ephesians 6, the spiritual weapons The six armaments that God gives us. Last week, we talked about the belt of truth. This week, quickly, we're gonna focus on the defensive weapon, the shield of faith. Shield of faith. Ephesians 6.16, take up the shield of faith. And by the way, if you're a New Kings James version type of person, it says, above all, take up the shield of faith. With which you can extinguish the flaming arrows of the evil one. How many of you know that there are arrows, fiery arrows, with your name on it, with your kid's name on it, with your spouse's name, incoming in your direction. And God gave you a spiritual weapon called the shield of faith with which to extinguish those flaming arrows. So... The uh, Roman shield, the the word is scutum, it's a Latin for shield. It was, uh, and by the way, I would have had one, but UPS was late, so I will have one tomorrow by 10 a.m. I got a lot of of UPS jokes, but I'm not gonna say it because I know we have people who work there, so I ain't gonna say it. I'm gonna fight the temptation to tell you what I think UPS stands for. Sorry. You can use your imagination but I'll have, I'll have a Roman shield at my house tomorrow. <laughs> but we have a picture of one, there it is. And so, it, 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 now that's not made for close combat. That's a very large shield. That's made to ward off flaming arrows. In fact, it's, 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 it's about 22 pounds. It is uh, made of three pieces of wood compressed together. It, um, it's, it's wrapped in animal hide. And what they would do is they would wet the animal hide before they go into battle so as to help extinguish those arrows. So that's the Roman, Roman shield. Now, you notice it's curved. You see how it's curved? Why is that important? Well, and I need, I need, uh, I need hope, why not you come up here, hope, and uh, I would ask, oh Cindy come up here, you can do it too. If I offend her, that's okay, she's my wife. I offend her on a daily basis. I'm kidding. Um, so come on up here. I want to use, uh, here, there's some shields. Let's see. So I don't have a Roman shield, but this, it's not exactly period specific. This is a Viking shield from the 8th century. You can hold that one. This slightly cooler shield is, uh, I'll give you the cool one. See any? You. I'm gonna give you the cool one. This is from the Bronze Age. That is a Greek shield. You may recognize that from Brad Pitt. Okay. Um, so, so you get the cool one. All right. So, but imagine it was that shield you saw. But I don't have it. Okay. Work with me. That's all Amazon had. So, they're they're meant to. So they would go into battle. They had a battle. Formation. The Latin word is testudo, meaning shell or tortoise. And what they would do? These shields were meant to interlock together. So hold on. I know this ain't going to interlock very well. Okay. But you know, bend down like you like you got a flaming arrow coming at you. <laughs> right, just, uh, I just. You might want to cover your face. Yeah. Oh yeah. Okay. There you go. Nice. There you're getting it. That's, that'll preach right there. No, no. Okay. So, so here's my point is those shields were made to maximize their strength. They were meant to interlock together, forming a testudo or a tortoise, making it impenetrable to the flaming arrows of the enemy. Catch my drift. Give him a round of applause. You got to stay here. Thank you. Honey. You can go. Okay. And since it's Mother's Day, come on over here. Since it's Mother's Day, and you're a mother of how many kids? Three. Three kids. Hope she's in our group, by the way. She's in our small, small group, and um, she was sharing about kind of this battle in between. And I'll let her share it. But I thought let's close today with hearing this battle from a mama who's battling.
1: Good morning, church. Um, My name is Hope, and I first want to say Happy Mother's Day to all the mamas. Um, This Mother's Day is so hard, and I'm sure it's hard for some of you. Um, You've struggled with infertility, or miscarriage, or the loss of a child, or um, the loss of a mother, and that's my story, is my mom passed away. Sorry. Less than a year ago. And honestly, I was dreading today. I'm dreading, dreading the celebration. Thank you. Um, and the Lord had different plans for me. He, um, I'm a hospice nurse, and he um, had me see a patient that was the same age and had the same diagnosis of what my mom passed away of on Monday. And I just remember standing like outside the room and I'm like, Lord, I can't go in. And I had a nursing assistant that was with me and he um, he's like, we're going in hope." And we went in and we were taking care of the patient and Just out of the blue, she says, there is no way that the Lord could forgive me for the things that I have done. And we all know that's not true. Um, And in that moment, our chaplain came and he had his Bible in hand and we started to read scripture over this woman and she was crying. And I took her hand and I began to just stroke her hair. And I said, God loves you so much and he knows the hairs on your head and he catches your tears in a bottle. And in that moment, I knew my purpose. Even though it was difficult. And so, church family, I just want to encourage you to step out in faith. Amen. Step out in faith, even though it's difficult. And you might even heal in the process, like I did.
0: Amen. Come on, give God praise for hope. God, There's a lion inside of hope. And she was at the, she had the decision, is it gonna roar or am I just gonna capitulate? Be silenced, allow myself to be silenced, not because God, but because of me or my fear, my anxiety or my hurt, my past, my wounding, whatever it is, you have that same choice today. Whether you're a mother, father, God only calls you son or daughter. That's who you are to God. Son, daughter, you got a lion inside of you. And it was meant to roar. Maybe the world's stripped you of that. But remember, you allowed it to be stripped. Maybe today, God's saying it's time to roar. It's time to exercise that battle faith once and for all. That thing that God put inside of you, He didn't do it by mistake. It's by design to let out a roar of praise. A roar doesn't mean everything's perfect in your life. It means in the midst of it, in the midst of what he spoke and what I cannot yet see, I will choose to roar like a lion.. And so with every head bowed and just I close as we close. Maybe today you don't. Have that line inside of you. You can't release that which you do not have. If you do not know Jesus, the Lion of Judah, and you want him to be your Lord and Savior, you want him to dwell within you, just pray a prayer like this. Say, God, I need you in my life. Fill me with your spirit. Lion of Judah, I accept you. Jesus, as my Savior, as my Lord, and as my King, from this moment on, I live for you. With every head bowed and every eye closed, if you just prayed that prayer, that lion is now within you. The presence of the living God is literally now taking up residence within you. It's that simple. He did all the work. But before we go, for those of you that have that lion now within you, whether you accepted him today or long ago I want to give you an opportunity to release that lion I want you to pray quietly a prayer of release just say something like this quietly Lord just release the lion within me what I want you to do is I want, I want to encourage you to pray that prayer as God leads you if it's not for you then don't pray it. but if, you, if it is for you then pray it pray that prayer God release the lion within me and after you release that if you prayed that prayer, if, you, if that's you, as we begin to worship, as a sign to God that I prayed that prayer and I will actively live out the releasing of that line, I want you to, after you pray that prayer, to stand and worship as we sing together.
2: Oh got a lion inside of those lungs. Get up there and praise the Lord. Come on my soul, don't you care Up your soul because you've got a love.
0: lion in this place. Every roar that has been silenced by the enemy in the in-between. We will be silent no longer. Satan, you have no place in this church. You have no place in our lives. You have no place in our families. We serve the living God who is alive and well and who fought for our freedom. And so we stand in freedom today. We celebrate that freedom today. There is lions within us in our midst roaring today. I pray as we leave this place, we would let that roar, not just be a Sunday morning roar, but a Monday morning, Monday afternoon, a Tuesday night, a roar all throughout the week, God. We would let it roar in our workplace, let it roar in our homes, not because things are perfect, but because you're perfect. Lord, we love you, we praise you, and we thank you for what you have done and what you are doing in this family. It is fun to watch. You get the glory. You're the victor. And but, but because you are, we are through you. We stand in that victory in the in-between, knowing that that day of victory is coming. And yet there's so much victory when we live in purpose in the midst of in-between. Lord, we love you and praise you. Thank you for this in Jesus' name. Amen. Give God praise in this place. Woo! Come on. Come on, Ricky. Hey, listen, if you prayed that prayer to, to accept Christ, stop at our Connect counter on the way out. We got a little free gift for you. If you need prayer, we got our pastors and our prayer team. We'd love to pray with you. For the rest of you, go out and let that lion roar and have a great week. God bless you.